Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high-performance innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. So, Robin, welcome to CTO Confessions. It's great to have you on board. Thank you so much, TC. Really looking forward to the conversation. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. What do you do and who do you work for? Uh, yeah, great. Uh, Robin Sutara. I am currently one of the field chief technology officers with Databricks. Uh, I recently joined the company about 10 weeks ago. Prior to that, I spent 23 years with Microsoft uh, in varying sort of capacities. So originally was hired to support IE5 on Windows 3.1. So I'm dating wow. myself a little bit. Um, uh, moved into sort of a, a role focused on our automotive customers and, and sort of that industry and verticalization as we thought about the expanding technology technology of moving from just consumers into the enterprise space uh, back in the early 2000s. And then I took on a role, a more internal focused uh, around Microsoft's own digital transformation as we thought about as an organization, we had gone through uh, Bill Gates and Steve Ballmer and Satya had come in as a CEO. And I think many, many people are familiar with Microsoft's yes. uh, sort, of, sort of focus on digitally transforming from an on-prem sort of box product company to Azure and the cloud. And what did that really mean? And how how were we going to ensure that we were being agile internally? So some great opportunities to focus on programs internally in that space. Uh, I then took on a chief operating officer role uh, with Azure Data Engineering and first got exposed to data, the data space uh, out uh, and, and sort of all the products and technologies. And then about uh, two years ago, I moved to the UK here in London as the Microsoft UK chief data officer, which was the first subsidiary to create that role and had an amazing time working with customers customers and organizations as they thought about data strategy and how do you leverage technology to unlock the power of data in your organization. Uh, and, and then, as I mentioned, I came over to Databricks uh, to take on sort of a, a new function and role that they were creating. So so that's, uh, yeah, that's my career path in, in a nutshell. And we'll jump into stuff about Databricks and Mix. I'm really curious around what they do and, and what problem they're solving. But just looking at your journey there, I had a look right back, right, going way, way back. You also an Apache helicopter electrical and armament repairer. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, this is a, a early, early days. I think you're taking me way back to almost up right out of high school. So now I feel really old. But uh, yeah, at the time, the Apache was like the late breaking technology, right? Like a origination of heads up displays and all, all of those things. I found that very few people actually have Apache helicopters, though, sitting in their backyard. So <laughs> as I look to sort of do that transition, I didn't have very many Hellfire missile, missiles or uh, 50 millimeter machine guns or electrical systems on Apaches to fix. So yeah. Uh, that's what first led me into technology and computer, to be honest. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, it sounds like an amazing part of your career, and uh, I'd love to talk more about that. But what I'm really interested in is your kind of journey through Microsoft and, and how you kind of went through these different phases. Because I guess there was lots of learning there, how Microsoft realigned themselves and how new technologies came and they adapted to changes in the market. I mean, are there any kind of key takeaways that you had from that journey in Microsoft of what worked and what didn't work? 
Yeah, I think that the Microsoft journey is absolutely fascinating if you think about it. I think even Harvard Business Review does a whole case study around it. From my perspective as a as an internal employee, I think uh, the turning point was really that Balmer to, to um, Satya Nadella sort of shift. So what you had now was an executive leadership team that was saying, we need to pivot the organization. We've become stagnant. We really need to think about new business models and how we're going to do that. And I, I was very fortunate to work with in the organization of all these amazing people that were trying to figure out, okay, now how do we do that? How do we how do we build those efforts and activities from the ground up? How do we uh, ensure uh, the technology platform obviously was Microsoft, but how do how do we think about the people and process and mm-hmm. really getting organization different parts of the organization to rethink how we were doing things as a business? How do we change our sales models? How do we change our licensing models? How do we change our go to market strategy? And how do we make those decisions based on data, uh, which was just, I I think, an amazing, amazing story of how getting that support from your leadership and then having passionate people within the organization tackle specific business problems really, uh, you know, enables data to to drive organizations toward these big shifts and changes and transformations. Yeah, I love it. Data-driven decision-making. How was the data used? Yeah, I have to admit, so the very first data job I had within the organization was I managed a team of data analysts who were specifically focused on big enterprise customers. And we were trying to look at that data and say, okay, what what do we need to think about internally that we need to change? Like I mentioned, licensing, sales models, go-to-market strategy. Uh, And I remember that pre-Satya sitting in a meeting where a VP of sales said, that's great that that's what the data says. That's not what I want to (laughs) say, right, in my business review. And so it was interesting that that perspective of okay how do we how do we look at the data and and support a story that a a VP already has in their head then fast forward a year where we had done that transition of leadership and it was a lot more uh, pull the data together present it and then let's uh, you know articulate I I, I think um, as organizations go through that journey though it's definitely painful you don't you start to have those conversations on single source of truth and debating the number and how do you drive quality data into systems uh, to ensure that everybody sort of agrees yeah. and aligns on the, the data assets themselves. <laughs> and then you can start thinking about how do you, you know, how do you have those conversations about what are the functional things within the organization that need to change? Yeah. Uh, and, and turning Microsoft is like turning the Titanic, right? Like, so you definitely, um, I tell organizations this all the time, don't try to solve for all of the world before you start making any progress with your data. To tackle onto the one business case, and for, for my group, that really was focused on, you know, these top enterprise organizations. Did we have the right insight and data? Were we providing the right value? you the right services the right uh, sort of models that were going to empower us to partner with them more effectively and so grounding on that business outcome of being customer centric was where we focused our, our first sort of activities and I'm sure there were other groups within Microsoft working on different aspects of it but at least for our organization I felt like we made some real progress by focusing on a business value outcome and this is the thing that we were going to use data to tackle. Fantastic. As you described, it's a big organization. It's like a tanker, probably a number of tankers all tied together trying to turn. You know, it's a, 
it's a, it's a difficult thing, but it sounds like it was a great success. And I'd love to find out more about that. But in service of time, I want to jump onto Databricks and the problem that they're solving the market. What is the problem that they're solving? Yeah, it's, uh, it's super interesting. I, I uh, obviously lots of people ask me like, why did you make that jump after 20, you know, 20 plus years at Microsoft? And, and I think the thing that appealed to me most about Databricks is just the amazing product and problem that they're trying to solve, which is, which is essentially um, many organizations have grown up with their traditional data warehouses. It's how we've done analytics and business intelligence for a long, long time. Uh, and it's really focused on backward looking, right? If you think about your reports, your dashboards, how do you uh, leverage your warehouse with all this structured data to get insights on what's happened. Then we had the introduction of data late, which it was super exciting. Lots of organizations started to think, oh my gosh, we've solved the way to pull all of our data together and, and we can throw uh, unstructured data, we can throw semi-structured data in there. Um, but the problem is lots of organizations have now said we've created these data swamps <laughs> and uh, they're, they're great to, to drive data science and forward-looking and prediction and AI and machine learning and all these things that we want to do as an organization, but it requires an entirely different tool. It requires an entirely different uh, technology stack, a different governance model. Uh, and there's just no way for us to tie those or bridge those things together. And, and so... Uh, created by a group of founders that created Spark out of UC Berkeley. Um, they, just a, some amazing brain power, came together and figured out, how do we do a translation layer across the top of that that allows you to tie these two disparate systems together so that you can look backward and think about data science and forward-looking with a single tool set, with a single uh, security model, with a single governance structure? And how do we do that on an open, non-proprietary platform? So that it'll work across every cloud. So it'll work across, uh, you know, Google and and AWS and Azure. Uh, and, and with the limited data talent that we have in the ecosystem, how do we make sure that they they can all leverage the same tool, regardless of of sort of what cloud they're on, et cetera. And so just seeing the growth of the and the product truth that's come out of Databricks to solve for that problem has just been phenomenal and and really appealed to me um, to to join the organization to help um, help make them successful. What is it about data that you love? What drives that passion? Well, from my experience, it's just amazing to me what organizations can solve leveraging, solve for leveraging data. And so I, I think lots of organizations think about, okay, what's my business strategy? How am I going to drive uh, better customer experiences? How am I going to allow personalization uh, for my for my consumers? Particularly coming out of the pandemic, there's become almost this expectation of, uh, you know, how do you how do you better serve your customers where they are, <laughs> and and make sure sort of that you can deliver that because if you don't, you're competitional. I, I think particularly here in the UK, we saw coming out of Brexit, how do you think about your operations? So things like your supply chain uh, and, and how are you leveraging data more effectively to have the right product in the right store at the right time? Uh, because again, if you don't, somebody else will capture your customers and being able to do that. Uh, and then you, you, you really have organizations focusing on new products or services. How do you look at the data and sort of figure out where is there a gap? 
impact the market? What are what are things that we as an organization can use our data and, and try to solve for? Um, but uh, but the big one that at least from from what I've seen at Microsoft that appeals to me is is always that social uh, impact that I think data can have. So for example, um, you know, Microsoft had a great company that they worked with, Ocean Mind, who was trying to solve for sustainable fishing. So they were leveraging all of these data points about how do we create a better ecosystem for sustainable fishing. And as a result, they actually were able to track uh, uh, ships to, to uncover things like human trafficking. So I just think the residual impact once you unlock the power of your data um, not only has an impact on commerce and business and all of those things, but the impact that we can have on society as a whole, I, I think, can really be unlocked and uncovered when organizations start to leverage data. It's great to hear that data can be used for humanity as well. You know, it's not just about business and driving uh, bottom lines as such, because obviously that is important to businesses, but there's that social side to it as well. And you mentioned that the, the project that you're working on with, sorry, Databricks, it, it's an open source project. It is, absolutely. And so uh, I, I think uh, Delta Lake was just announced a few months ago to be completely open source. Uh, and so uh, we recently also announced uh, Unity Catalog, which will be another open source project within the next few months. And so there's a big investment from Databricks uh, into the open source community, which, uh, again, I'll go back to sort of the limited data talent that exists across the ecosystem. So the more that we can build non-proprietary systems based on open source, the more we unlock this whole community of uh, uh, talent, right, uh, for, for organizations to be able to leverage. It's an enabler. It's an enabler of, of potential within organizations. And a question from my kind of fears of data, um, I just want to throw into the space, can there be too much data? There's absolutely too much data, I think, uh, <laughs> uh, right? I think the last statistic I just saw yesterday at an event said something like uh, uh, 215 zettabytes, which interesting, like three years ago, it was 175 zettabytes by the year 2025, um, which is not that far away now, right? Like we're getting closer and closer to that number. And it's always interesting to me to go in and have a conversation with an organization about, okay, how do we think about data and what's your data strategy and how's it aligned with your business strategy? And and, and there's just almost this fear when they think about the volumes of data that exist within their organization and, and sort of, um, you know, how do we aggregate it all and clean it all and make it all ready? And uh, I, I just have to remind them, babies, like it's okay. <laughs> it's okay to tackle a little bit of it at a time and solve for a specific use case or a specific issue uh, and, and really curating and creating gold standard out of that, that specific data. And then the rest will come in time, right? As you start to think about the people and process aspects of it. How do you create processes that ensure that people are creating quality data into system? And so how much of it is looking backward and legacy and modernizing all of that? Uh, and then how much of it is forward looking at this new data that's being created and, and trying to um, create the capability to have it be as, as uh, uh, ready as possible to be able to leverage across the business? Yeah, I can imagine that this this flood and swamp, as you described it, of data creates a lot of confusion and lack of clarity, actually, of what you're trying to achieve. It becomes a job in itself. I think we see 
Well, yeah, I think we're seeing more, interestingly, what I've been doing a lot of research lately around compliance and regulatory requirements, particularly in regulated industries, right? So there's clear regulatory requirements, for example, of a bank on how long they'll store specific information. And so um, ensuring that organizations are thinking about as part of their data strategy, what is that retention policy and how do we make sure that the technology supports that, but the organization and, the, and again, the internal processes also support that. Um, because exactly like you said, at, at some point, uh, the data isn't as valuable if it's not as fresh. And so how do you how do you for your organization decide what that data is, where that line is, what's required by law uh, or, or regulatory requirements versus uh, right what's in the best interest company? I have to admit, as things like storage become super cheap that we've seen over time, uh, I think there is this tendency to sort of hold on <laughs> to everything for as long as possible. But do you don't really need that in an active uh, you know, gold standard ready to run data science against tomorrow uh, when it's 30 year old, you know, sort of data that's not really going to give you a great picture uh, of what's happening in your business today. Cool. Excellent. That's great. So what I'm going to do now is going to shine the spotlight on your leadership. Okay. Your, your, how you roll as a leader. How do you roll as a leader in the kind of tech space? Yeah, I think for me, I, Microsoft had a great structure that I think I, I've always sort of tried to align to, and it was great when they articulated, which is built on model coach care, um, right? And so with model, you really think about what are the behaviors that you're exhibiting to the organization, not just your team, but broadly across the organization of expecta- expected behavior. Like, well, what do you want other people to sort of emulate? What are the What are the standards and criteria that you want to establish there? Uh, coaching, which is really focused on how do you help others grow and develop? I think for me, I've always told my team, uh, you know, it, eventually if I report to you, then I've been successful, right? Like if, if I can uh, put you on the right path, if I can help you leverage my network, we can think about the skills and competencies that you want to grow and develop. And do we have a right mentor strategy or training strategy that's going to help you accomplish that? And so really making sure that you're meeting every individual on your team to, to coach them on their career path for their aspirations and goals. And then care, right? I think that was probably the hardest one for me. My first manager job is really, you know, connecting with people outside of business, connecting with them one-on-one and understanding where are they coming from. The pandemic forced all of us to really think about people beyond, um, you know, just being a coworker that as people were dealing with, you know, uh, elderly parents or children or pets or illness or all of those things that got introduced and the lines between work and home really started to bleed, I think, um, that one has definitely been an area that many, many of us have have grown and developed over the last few years. Yes, absolutely. And here we go. It's a bit of a tough question. What's the thing that keeps you up at night? What's the thing as a tech leader that uh, unsettles you? Right now, it's just the rate of change, right? I think uh, it's it's just interesting. You talk about volumes of data, which obviously is an issue, but um, it, uh, just the expectations across the ecosystem of of the power of their data, what they can do with their data, the regulatory and compliance uh, um, requirements around that cons- consistent. I feel like it changes every day. Like I get a new notification, right? A, a, a legal decision has been made or a new <laughs> a new regulatory requirement. And so I think for many, many, technology specifically data leaders uh, that that is absolutely something that that uh, bears on us is how do we make sure that we're uh, positioned 
positioning our organization to to uh, ensure that they're aligned with all of those requirements. How are we um, making sure that we're helping the organization move and transform and do all of those things that they want to do uh, and, and minimizing the risk that we're exposing them to at the same time? Fantastic. And now coming from your leadership now to kind of leading teams and, and creating these teams, any tips around how you create high-performing teams, teams that really deliver their stuff? As you mentioned, you've got some absolutely amazing people there. Any tips around communication, collaboration or alignment? Yeah, I think the big thing for me, particularly as people are thinking about building data teams and data organization is diversity, uh, right? I can't uh, I, I can't tell you how often you go into an organization and you look across their data team and it's all the same backgrounds, the same experiences, the same capabilities. Uh, and the interesting part about data is there's inherent bias and, and ethical dilemmas and all of those things that you need to think about uh, when, when you're trying to use data to drive your business. And uh, if, if everybody within your team is exactly the same, you're, you're minimizing your capability to be able to recognize and address uh, those issues. And I think, so I think for me, uh, I've always focused on what are the strengths and competencies I have within the team and where are the gaps across the organization that I need to bring in, um, you know, a, a diverse perspective to ensure I have as well-rounded a team. I tend to be very sort of driven and focused and I know that and I know I'm going to be this way. And so how do I bring in, for example, the creative side, which it, I totally lack. And so how do I make sure that I have some of that strong uh, within my leadership team? How do I make sure I have people that are strong in that space so that we can uh, you know, jointly drive the business together as effectively and efficiently as possible. I love that. Yeah, this kind of diversity of ways of thinking and being, having that good mix. Hey, I've got a question around foundations for growth, Robin. What do you think are the good foundations for growth for an organization as it is growing? I, I guess you saw aspects of this within Microsoft and within Databricks as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think particularly in the tech space, since that's where I've spent most of my career, there's absolutely exponential growth of the of the organization, of the uh, opportunity, of what organizations are, are trying to do, leveraging technology. Uh, and so when I think about the foundations, I'm, I'm going to probably refer to a relatively old adage of people process technology, right? Um, I think lots of organizations and, and as much as technology vendors would love to say that we solve everything for every organization, in my experience, if you forget about the people and process, you will never be able to drive any sort of growth or change or transformation for your organization. And so uh, just keeping in mind that you have to think about all three of those attributes. Uh, how do you leverage technology to empower your people to be able to deliver better processes? How do you automate processes to free up the amazing talent you have in your organization to deliver better services? Uh, and how do you try to, you know, minimize sort of the uh, burden on them to, to leverage new technologies and new processes? And so I think all three of those go hand in hand, but foundationally, you need to consider all three as you're thinking about your, your organization, your growth, your, your transformations. Excellent. That's really good. And I've got a question here around engineering challenges, any engineering challenges that you face that's in the technology space at the moment. I can imagine with data, it's literally transferring that quantity of data and storing it, I guess. 
Yeah, I think lots of organizations still struggle with just the ETL, right? The the tra um, uh, transformation of data into the e ecosystems, uh, and and so lots of the data engineering. How are we making sure that we're cleaning the data, that it's of quality, that we get it into the systems in the right format and the right structure? So a majority of 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 time that lots of data resources spend is around just that ingestion uh, and transformation process, uh, and, and so uh, I I think that as as we think about, again, going back to people, process, and technology, how do you think about empowering technologies that allow you to minimize the friction in performing those functions? So uh, I think Databricks and Microsoft have both made you know, investments in things like low-code or no-code so that more people can do those types of tasks, and then we can really free up our data resources, particularly to think about uh, you know, value outcomes as opposed to transactional things that need to be done to get the systems ready to work. Fantastic. So as we come towards the closing arc of the podcast, Robin, I've got some nice warm questions for you. What advice would you give to aspiring tech leaders out there? Because you've had one hell of a journey, okay? What advice would you give to tech leaders or aspiring tech leaders out there on how to make their journey more effective and maybe more efficient? Uh, I, I would say be flexible. I have to admit, when I first started my career, I had no idea that this is the direction that it would go. And if you had told me when I was sitting in Korea, turning a screwdriver in Apache helicopter, <laughs> that one day I would be the chief data officer at Microsoft or a chief technology officer at Databricks, I, I would have thought that you were probably insane or crazy. And so I, I think, um, you know, d definitely don't feel like, don't limit yourself to a specific function or a specific role uh, and really think about that unique value proposition that you bring to an organization and how do you build your career based on those things that really uh, make you passionate and excited to get up every day. And yes, you're going to have some of the parts of your job that you don't like, but I think if you can ground every piece of your career and your career journey in the attributes that you like the most, it'll be amazing for you. Wow. Love it. And any books, films, or other things that have kind of inspired you along your tech journey that have kind of helped you that you'd like to share here? I have to admit, so I'm going to do a quick plug because it has to be a data book, right? I One of my favorite books in the whole world is uh, Invisible Women, uh, which is exposing data bias in a world designed for men. Its author is uh, Caroline Criado Perez. Um, and so... I think for me, there's a couple of facets. One is just understanding uh, in general, gender biases that exist in data sets was just sort of eye-opening. Like I never realized the seatbelt in my car was actually designed for a man who's five foot eight and you know 160 pounds. And that's why it cuts into my neck, right? When I sit in the driving seat, our uh, you know, medical tests are actually designed for men. And so, you know, maybe I should ask additional questions, et cetera. So just in your personal life, I think it opens up a lot of things, but it it also makes you think about as you're developing teams, as you're developing solutions for your organization, are you also thinking about those unconscious biases that might exist as you're collecting the data or creating the process or building the team to be able to deliver, deliver against those things. Uh, and, and so I, I think it's an amazing, amazing book with great examples uh, for, for those two reasons. I'm going to take a look at that. That sounds fascinating. So now we're going to come to a bit of a fun part of the podcast. I hope it's all fun, but this one is fun, fun, fun. And it's a question around a wish to the tech genie. I'm going to be a tech genie for a second. What would you wish for, for your leadership, for your market, for your industry? 
Uh, yeah, I would love to solve that ingestion issue. <laughs> if we could make every data set in the world be fully cleansed and quality and in a, in a, a, a format that allowed everybody in the world to access data, I think that, that would be it. Because uh, again, I do feel like uh, everything that we do eventually is going to come down to data. I think we all use data in our, in our personal lives, in our work lives. And so, um, so, so yeah, just looking forward to seeing the amazing things that I know your audience is going to think about and, and uncover and deliver and solve for leveraging data across the ecosystem. That's a great wish, especially in an age where data is everywhere. So as we come to the full stop of the podcast, any key takeaway that you'd like to leave for our leaders out there as we part company? Yeah, I think uh, I would love to close and just, uh, you know, find your passion. I, I think for me, it's definitely, hopefully it's come through in this conversation that I, I absolutely love data. I think uh, everybody has that passion and it's that collective sort of passions that we bring together that are going to solve amazing things uh, for the world and, and for generations to come. Fantastic. It's been great having you on, Robin. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much, TC. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Labs services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.